212. There we go. Amen. Appreciate the family singing. For years, I've told everybody, they sing better without me, but I own the van, so I get to come along. Amen. And uh, it's the truth, and uh, they do a good job, and I appreciate them. Thank you for being here for this afternoon service. We're going to be in the book of Judges, in chapter number 7. I want to spend a few moments in this passage. Thank you for all your kindness this week. Thank you for all your prayers. And uh, I appreciate the good help of the Lord. I appreciate the good preaching that we've heard. I was sitting down there a moment ago, and I was thinking about Dr. Barton. And uh, I thought to myself, Dr. Barton has a way of making it sound like you did a good job whether you did or not. So I feel like if I get up here and lay an egg, he will get up afterward and tell you about the greatest sermon he ever heard in his life. There's just something about him. He's an encourager, and, uh, and he means it with all his heart. He's not lying about it, but uh, I appreciate him. He's been a great help to me and encouragement to me, and uh, I'm thanking the Lord for his friendship today. Now, I have preached from this passage, I know at least once, from this pulpit uh, but I, there's a little bit of light I've got since then, and um, I want to just think about it a little bit. In Judges chapter 7 and verse 1, you know, I don't know if I can read all of this. I don't know if I have enough voice. Let's, let's, you know what happens in chapter 7. Gideon starts out with uh, 32,000 men, and 22,000 of them leave. He's down to 10,000. And then the Lord has him go and have them drink and he sets them apart and when they're done, now he has 300 left to fight the Midianites. The Bible said they, their camels are without number. You can't number them, there's so many. They're like the grasshoppers. So Gideon is starting out behind in this battle. Watch what the Bible said in verse seven, chapter seven. The Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his own place. So the people took victuals in their hand, and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those three hundred men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night, that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Pura, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Pura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that, it, that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. 
For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Some time ago, Dr. Barton called me and asked me about some books that were given to the church. And so I spent a few days, several days, looking at books down in the warehouse and working on a library. I became the official librarian of the church. And in that, in that library was a, a little, just a little small book. It was written by a man who was alive in the days of Spurgeon. And in that book, I think the title of the book was The Cross as a Tree. And in that book, he talked about a little group of men that he called the company of Pura. And what they were is they were men who were not preachers. They were laymen who helped the man of God in his ministry. And so I began to think about the company of Pura and I preached here in the pulpit on one, I think maybe a Wednesday night or something. I preached on the company of Pura and I thought about men who help the man of God. Every preacher needs a helper. Every preacher needs a right-hand man. I remember my pastor, uh, a letter man, my pastor up in Bean Blossom, Indiana, led a man um, by the name of Lee Morgan unto Christ, led him to Christ when he first went to the church and for all the rest of the days of his life, Brother Morgan, my pastor's right-hand man, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'll try and be a little more still. Every, all the rest of his life until he went to be with the Lord, he was my pastor's right-hand man. Every pastor needs a helper. And so I preached on that a little bit, but then I was reading the passage again as I was reading through my Bible, and I thought about this man Pura again, and I want to talk to you about him in a little different light today. And I want to preach, I'm going to pray, and then I want to preach a moment on Gideon and Pura and the Holy Ghost. And we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, help us in these next few moments to be reminded of the helper that you have given to us. Help us to be reminded about the good help of the Holy Spirit of God. Help us to walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. Father, help us to be moved in our worship and in our warfare. Help us, Lord, not to be fearful anymore. Help us, Lord, to accomplish great things for your glory in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray you help us now in the next few moments. Physically, we need you. Spiritually, just help us, Lord. Glorify yourself, and we'll be helped. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You've noticed in this passage, perhaps you did, a man by the name of Pura. He's found in verse 10 and verse 11. Now, we're familiar with Gideon. We know about Gideon. We know about Gideon in the three hundred. Gideon is mentioned uh, throughout our Bible. He's mentioned, I think, 13 times in chapter 7 alone. Gideon is the hero of this chapter. But then we find him later on, even in the book of Hebrews, in the hall of faith of the, or hall of fame of the faithful. But the man Pura is only mentioned twice in our Bible. And it's in the verses I've read to you here. It's the only time you'll ever hear about him. You'll never hear his name before or after. You'll never hear his name after the battle. You'll never find him written in Hebrews chapter 11. And yet, without Pura, this battle would never have been won 
Gideon would have never been the victor without the help of Purah. Gideon is fearful to go down to the host. And so God said, if you're afraid, take Purah or go thou down with Purah. You go with him down to the host. And when Gideon goes down to the host, he hears what's about to happen. He hears the prophecy that's going on. All that is because he is in the company of Purah. Now I'm thinking about this man Purah and I thought about a couple of things when I was reading over him again. I thought about how he is a picture in this passage of the Holy Spirit of God. Say, preacher, how does he remind us of the Holy Spirit? First of all, because he's sent alongside to help. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's sent alongside to help. One sent alongside to help, the parakletos. And so the Holy Ghost comes. Jesus said he would send him. He'll send us another comforter. Not only is he sent alongside to help, but he reminds me of the Holy Spirit in the fact that he is silent in his work. We never find Fura saying anything. When the battle is over, we don't find Fura jumping up and down saying, hey, don't forget about me. I had a part in this. He doesn't say anything about it. Apparently, he is content for Gideon to get the glory. I'll tell you something about the Holy Ghost. He is content when Jesus gets the glory. He is called alongside to help. He is sent silent in his work. And then thirdly, he reminds me of the Holy Spirit because he is sovereign in his service. Now, here's what I mean by that. Pura is two things at once. He is both master and servant. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, look at, the, look at the passage again. Look in verse 10. But if thou fear to go down, now watch the language. Go thou with Pura. In verse number 11, then went he down with Pura. Doesn't say he took Pura with him. Said he went down with Pura. I get the idea that Pura is in charge of this excursion and Gideon is going along. So Gideon is, uh, Gideon is going along with Pura. Pura is in charge. He has come to help Gideon, but he's also in charge. Can I tell you something about the Holy Ghost? He's come alongside to help. He wants to be my servant in that respect, but he's also God. He is master and servant at the same time. Isn't that something? I've got a servant and I'm serving him while he serves me. So we have Pura, he reminds us of the Holy Spirit. And what I would say this about him, without Pura's company, Gideon would not have had the courage to go down to the host. And without going down to the host, Gideon would not have heard the dream and the interpretation. And without hearing the dream and the interpretation, Gideon would not have worshiped the Lord and won the battle. Pura was necessary to this victory. Now all of us in our Christian life have battles to fight. We're gonna have battles one after another. We'll barely get out of one till another one starts. And the only way we'll ever have victory is if we have our heavenly Pura involved in the battle. We're gonna have to walk after the Spirit. We're gonna have to walk and warfare in the Spirit. So I wanna talk to you about Pura as the Holy Spirit. I have three things I wanna say to you. I don't think it'll take me very long. I hope it won't. The Holy Spirit, Pura as the Holy Spirit. In this passage, I wanna say to you, first of all, that the Holy Spirit will help us with our worry. Now remember what it said in our text, if thou fear. I don't know about you, but when you look around what's going on in this world, there's some things to be fearful about. And here is Gideon. Is he afraid? Well, let's go back a chapter. Chapter number six of Judges, verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Abbey Ezrite. 
and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. You know where Gideon is? He's hunkered down in a hiding place. He's keeping his head down so that he don't rock the boat, so that he doesn't draw attention to himself. You know where most Christians are in the day we live? They're right where Gideon is, hunkered down, keeping their head down, trying not to draw the enemy's fire. I got news for you. He's going to find you out whether you're hiding or not. He's going to try and attack you. So here he is. He is afraid. He is fearful. What is he fearful about? Well, let's read on a little bit. Chapter 6. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Now here's what I think's got him worried. In our, in our passage we just read, I think, first of all, he's worried about his own ability or lack thereof. God said, I'm going to use you to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. And he said, me? I'm the least of the house of Israel. My house is the least house in Israel. I don't have what it takes. That's exactly right, Gideon. You don't have what it takes. So he said, preacher, I can't be used of God. I don't have what it takes. You're right. You don't have what it takes. But the Holy Ghost has what it takes. It's that work of the Holy Ghost and that we've heard it. We've heard it said several times this week. It's that work of the Holy Ghost on our preaching and the work of the Holy Ghost in our singing and in our ministering. It's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. I can't change a man's mind, but the heart of the, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. The Holy Ghost can change people's hearts, change their minds. Somebody said, preacher, I, I don't have much ability. Good for you. The Holy Ghost has all the ability you need. He has all the strength you need. He has all the power you need. And if you'd surrender yourself unto him, you know what he'd do? He'd do things through you that you never thought possible. Gideon said, I'm not much. You're right, Gideon, but the Holy Ghost is much. And then not only that, but he may be worried about the arrangements of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, I'm thinking about Gideon. And I'm thinking Gideon's looking over the battlefield and he's trying to count. He's trying to count the Midianites and they're like grasshoppers. He's trying to count their camels and their camels are so many that they cannot be counted. It'd be, it'd be like a man trying to count the sand of the seashore. And then Gideon goes to counting his men, 32,000. That's not enough. So what will we do? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll send some recruiters out. We need more men. We gotta have more. But then God says, you know, I don't think we'll go that direction. I think we'll go the other direction. I think instead of adding on, we'll just kind of shave off a little bit. And so God said, tell him anybody's afraid, go home. And 22,000 men go home. And now he's got 10,000. 
And I'm, I'm, if I'm getting, I'm looking around and saying, now, wait a minute, Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't right. We're going the wrong direction here. And then the Lord said, well, you know, you're right. We, we need a change. I'll tell you what, send them down there to the water to drink. And so they drink. And when they get done drinking, he said, oh, everybody that lapped with their hand, you put them over here. The rest of them you put over there. And now Gideon, send the rest of them home now. Now Gideon's got 300. Lord, we started out behind. We started out with no chance. And your wit led us down to nothing. I wonder if you ever feel, I know preachers and pastors feel like this. Boy, if so-and-so leaves, we're done. Boy, so-and-so talking about, I got to make sure so-and-so stays happy because, boy, if they go, if we lose one more. I wonder what Gideon felt like when he watched all them people leaving. Lord, we don't need less. We need more. But God wanted Gideon to know that God was all Gideon needed. And so God starts shaving them down, cutting them down, and now Gideon's left with 300. I'm sure the arrangements of the Lord had him worried. And then I think probably the advancement of the enemy, the vast array, we might say, of the enemy. I don't know what it's like to try and count grasshoppers. I don't know what it's like to try and count camels that are like the sand of the sea, but I'm sure that every direction that Gideon looked, there's the enemy. He even said it in our text in chapter six. He said, we've been delivered into their hands. Gideon looks around and all he can see is a mess. All he can see is a hopeless case. You ever get that way? It just looks hopeless. It's just never gonna get better. It's just getting worse. So now here's Gideon standing here. I don't know where these 300 men are right now. But God says to Gideon, now I want you to do something. I want you to go down to the host. Now he's not talking about attacking the host. He's talking about going down and getting at the edge of the host because God has something he wants Gideon to hear. And so he says to Gideon, go down to the edge of the host. And apparently, you know, I'm surprised Gideon didn't go home in that first crowd that was fearful because apparently he is fearful. And so God looks at him and he said, now, I'll tell you what you do. He said, I want you to go down to the host. And he said, if you're afraid to go, go with Pura. I, I take that to mean, and I, I may be, I'm pondering here, and I may be, I may be surmising something that's not true, but it, it just seems to me like he didn't say you take him with you, but you go with him. It just seems to me like perhaps Pura's been down there before. And he knows how to get down there. He knows how to go about it. And so Gideon gets, comes to Pura and says, God wants you to take me down. I don't know if God told Pura or Gideon told the Bible and tells me, we're supposed to go down the edge of the host. So down they go. They're quiet. They get down to the edge of the host. Now think about the things that Gideon had said when God first spoke to him in chapter six. He said, the Lord has forsaken us. He said, there are no miracles And he said, the Midianites have taken us over. We've been delivered in their hands. So they get down there. And they're at the edge of the host and they're being quiet now. And they get down there. And all of a sudden, one of them fellas starts talking, one of those Midianites. He starts talking. He said, man, I had a dream. And in my dream... This barley cake rolled down and flattened the whole tent. Now, I've got, a, I've got a title. I don't have a sermon, but i got a title I'm going to preach sometime called The Muffin That Mangled Midian. I just need a sermon to go with that title. 
And so he said, I, he said, I had this dream. And in this dream, this, this, this barley cake rolled down, took down the tent. And there's another fellow standing there beside him, maybe sitting, I don't know. But they're together in the tent. The other fellow said, well, I know exactly what that is. I'll tell you what that is. He said, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Now, wait a minute. Remember what Gideon said? The Lord has forsaken us. Remember what he said? Where are all the miracles? Remember what he said? We're delivered in the hand of the Midianites. That's what he thought. That's what it looked like to him. But now, Purah's got him in a different position. And now everything is looking different than it was before. Now all of a sudden, God had not abandoned them. He just went out ahead of them. Now all of a sudden, there's, I would call it a miracle that this Midianite who does not know God has a vision or a dream about the work of God. And I'd call it a miracle that the other Midianite who does not know God can interpret the dream that God sent the first Midianite. I'd call that miraculous. Wouldn't you? So things are looking different down here. And now that other fellow said, and tell you what's going on, we've been delivered into the hands of Gideon. That isn't what Gideon said. He said, we've been delivered in the hands of the Midianites. Everything looks different. Why does it look different? Because Gideon is walking with Pura. You know what makes everything look different in our life? When we start walking in the Spirit after the Spirit of God. And I want you to notice what happens when he hears this. Look in verse 15, chapter 7. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof. Now watch this, that he, what's that word? It's the only time that word's found in the book of Judges. Gideon is worshiping. He hadn't been worshiping until now. He'd been hiding. But you know what walking with Pura has done for Gideon? It has turned his worry into worship because everything looks different now walking in the Holy Ghost here's our problem we're walking after the flesh and that's why we're so worried that's why we're so beat down that's why we don't dare to do anything or try anything or say anything because we're trusting in ourselves and if we quit that business and start walking after the spirit everything will look different than it was before. And you know what the result will be? Our worry will be turned into worship. I, don't, I would like to know what kind of worship this was. I do not think it was Pisgaforas style worship. I don't think it, I think it would have been dangerous to worship like y'all been worshiping around here. I don't think he cut a rug. I don't think he shouted hallelujah. I don't think he did anything loud, but I think probably he raised a hand. And probably in a quiet voice because he didn't want to stir up the enemy there where he was. I think he probably raised his hand and said, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I was wrong and you were right. Lord, I thought you was doing the wrong thing and you was doing the right thing. Lord, I thought you'd left us and you'd just gone out ahead of us and blazed a trail. I think he's just telling the Lord how good he was and how mistaken Gideon was. He worshiped. I said, preacher, Am I walking in the spirit? Well, let me ask you a question. 
What would characterize your life? Worry or worship? Because when Gideon got to walking with Pura, all that worry went out of, the, out of the window and it was replaced by worship of God. So what have you been doing? You've been hunkered down, keeping your head down, trying not to draw any enemy fire? Or you've been worshiping the God of heaven? Everything looks different from a spiritual viewpoint. The physical characteristics of the situation have not changed. Just Gideon's view of them has changed. And you know what it leads to? Let's read something else in in verse 15. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped. Now watch this. And returned into the host of Israel. Now here's an interesting thing. I think I wrote this down. In chapter 7, the Midianites have been called a host 12 times. The host of Midian, the host of Midian, the host of Midian, the host of Midian, 12 times. You know what a host is? A host, if you look the word up, it means an army prepared to fight. An army set in array. An army willing to meet the enemy. An army willing to go forth. 12 times Gideon or or Midian's been called a host. You know what? This is the only time that Israel's called a host. Up until now, they've not been ready to fight. Up until now, they've not been willing to fight. But now that Gideon has taken a walk with Pura and seen the truth of the matter, Israel has been turned into an army ready to fight. You know what walking in the Holy Ghost does for us? It not only helps us worship, it gets us back in the warfare. It gets us busy about the things of God. It helps us to take a step out by faith and to live for God. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is showing us the real, the real picture. Not what we thought it was, but what it really is. The host of Israel. So here's Gideon. He has gone from worry to worship. And what took him there was walking with Phura. And what takes us from worry to worship and gets us back in the warfare is to walk in the Holy Spirit, to yield ourselves to him. Now, I want to give you one illustration. and I'm, I'm sure I've used this illustration before, but I've only lived one life. I only have so many life illustrations. I preached a funeral one time for a 15-year-old boy. And after the funeral... We went to the graveside. We sang at the graveside. I, we sang at the funeral. I didn't preach it. We sang. We sang at the graveside. And we came back to the gymnasium of the church. And they had tables set up and we were going to eat. And uh, I don't know why I did this, but have you ever seen those bleachers that fold back into the wall? You could pull out one or two or three. They come folding out of the wall. Well, there were some bleachers and there were just one one or two seats pulled out from the wall. 
I don't know why I did this. There were tables set up, but I got a plate of food. And rather than sitting at the tables where we were supposed to, I went over and sat down on the bleacher. There was one pulled out from the wall. And so I'm over here and I'm sitting down on the bleacher. And that boy's father came over and his name was Matthew, the boy. Matthew's daddy came over and we talked a minute and some other folks and I'm sitting there and I'm talking. And while I'm sitting there, I look across the gym and I see his mother. She's in the other corner of the gym. And I looked up and she's staring at me. And I nodded my head at her and she just stared. And I, I went back to my fellowship and my eating and in a little while I looked up and she's just staring at me. And I sort of nodded at her and she just looked. In a little while we finished what we were doing and we cleaned up and put things away and we went to their home and we sat around the living room. We sang songs, we prayed, we quoted scripture, we talked. I don't know how many of us there were in that living room. And then early, early hours of the next morning, we got up to leave. And so as I was headed out the door, I shook Matthew's dad's hand, I shook his hand. And then I shook his mother's hand and when I got a hold of her hand, shook it, she wouldn't let go. And she looked at me and here's what she said. She said, preacher, I wanted to come over there. She, first she said, I guess you saw me looking at you in the gym. And I said, yeah. She said, I wanted to come over there and fellowship with you. But she said, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Because she said that bleacher where you were sitting, that was right where Matthew was sitting when he died. And she said, when I looked over and saw you sitting there, my heart was so grieved that I could not come and fellowship with you. And when she said that, I immediately thought, the Bible said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And I began to wonder in my mind how many times the Holy Ghost wanted to take me from here over to here. He wanted to walk me down somewhere where I could see what was really going on. But something in my life had him so grieved that we couldn't walk together. Maybe the reason we're stuck over here in our worry. It's not because God hasn't won the battle or isn't prepared for the battle or hasn't been doing anything. It's not because of that. We're stuck over here because there's something in our life grieving the Holy Spirit and he can't walk with us. What if Gideon, God had said, Gideon, go down now with Phura, and Gideon went over there and said, God wants you to take me down there, and Phura looked at him and said, I ain't going anywhere with you. I know how you've been living. I can't go anywhere with you. I can't fellowship with you. I know, I know, I know the scripture. I know he lives in me. I understand that. But what if he can't fellowship with me and take me from worry to worship? because there's something in my life that's grieved him. And like Matthew's mother, he's so grieved. We can't fellowship. You know what's going to happen to me? I'll be stuck over here. I'm wondering today if there's something in your heart, some bitterness, some anger, 
some lust, some greed, I don't know, some dishonesty, some lie, something covered up that's grieved the Holy Spirit of God. I tell you what he'd like to do. He'd like to get us from over there to over here. He'd like to take us from worry to worship and get us involved in the warfare, but we're gonna have to come clean with him. Gonna have to tell him the truth. Gonna have to get honest with him. I'll tell you what he wants to do. He wants to show us what's really going on, what God is really up to. But we're gonna have to make it possible for him to walk with us. What about it tonight, this afternoon? Could Pura take you down to the enemy host? Could you go with him? Be changed from worry into worship. I want you to bow your heads a moment, if you will. I think my, fat, my wife is going to come and play the piano.